Hello and welcome to the Mental Health Gaming Podcast. Once again, I am Bradley and it's his party and he will cry if he wants to, cry if he wants to. And to be honest, when you find out why, you would cry too if it happened to you. So Stu, what happened? Oh, well, I've got a virus and it's not coronavirus. Well, I suppose it could be a coronavirus, but it's not COVID-19. So yeah, no, I am crying quite literally at the moment because my eyes are streaming. And yeah, this is me playing the world's smallest violin for myself at the same time. <laughs> to be fair though, Leo, like if you get a cold, um, have you been out since you've had your cold? Uh, only to the local shops, but not properly. And has anyone kind of like steered clear of you and looked at you as though you might have COVID? Because that's all my part. Like Lorraine's had a stinking cold for a few days and everyone keeps asking if she's got COVID. Yeah, I bet. I don't have to, because I don't have to work out, you know, with people outside. Uh, whenever yeah. I go out and go into a shop, I'm wearing my mask. So, because uh, I'm, you know, I actually care about other people. So um, yeah. nobody's noticed, thank God. But I can imagine it's a pain in, in the backside for your partner. Yes. Yeah, no, it is. Yeah, everyone comes in going, oh, my God, if you've got COVID, like, I wouldn't be at work if I had COVID. I'd be isolating. Yeah. I mean, it does bring up another debate as to whether you should, you know, should you take time off for colds and stuff like that? Because before that was something you'd laugh at someone about. But now maybe you should. Yeah. Um, any kind of ailment, maybe you should work from home where possible. Yeah. Um, and that's something that needs to change. Yeah, I saw a thing today just saying working from home, you know, I mean, obviously you're talking about office jobs, but working from home should be the accepted norm and that you make a, a request to be in the office for certain days and it can be approved or denied, which I thought was quite a good uh, system of doing things. Yes, yeah, no, definitely. Um, so I'm trying to think of a segue. Um, and all I can do is things that are more productive at home are video games. And I've got more than you this week, show, so we're not we're gonna we're gonna switch it up a little bit. We're gonna switch it up. You're gonna ask me the question. All right. Well I've been playing three, but um I I will bow to your superior knowledge judgment and re reporting and recording skills and I will say what have you been playing this week? I have been playing video games. <laughs> <laughs> and the first is it's basically one that was one of my games of the year last year. I think it was last year, it might have been out this year. I really can't remember things anymore. Um but I, I'm positive it was last year, but Art of Rally. Oh, yeah. I've been playing that on the Nintendo Switch. Cool. They finally got, it's got a release uh, recently on Xbox via Game Pass um, and now Nintendo Switch. And I've played it to death on the PC already. So um, I didn't need to, I've now got the option of playing it on a big screen or a little screen rather than my medium sized screen. Um, but I've been playing it on the little screen in dribs and drabs because of my eye, my eye issues. I get moments on days where I will have moments of clarity and I can just about fit something in and then it all goes to crap. But anyway, played some Art of Rally and it runs really well on the Switch. Cool. For people who really care, I suppose it's not quite as buttery smooth as running it on a, you know, a, a full-fledged gaming PC. You know, I've still got something that's still 
beastly enough. You know, a 2060 graphics card, 16 gigs of DDR4 RAM and stuff in there off an SSD or an M2 drive, actually. Um, so, you know, that's still considered something quite meaty as a PC. But yeah, on the Switch, runs absolutely fine. Looks pretty. Um, there's extra levels in there. But I think on the Switch now, it's found its perfect home for I'm going to pick this up, I'm going to do a rally and put it down again. Let's try and see what I can do on the leaderboards for today and, and stuff like that. Absolutely. Oh, it's wonderful. I um, really am enjoying it. Yeah. So you're not like one who necessarily feels they have to complete a game, mm-hmm. but have you done a lot of it? Like, Or are you pitching yourself at it and constantly failing but still enjoying it, if you see what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So the, the thing with Art of Rally and what I really like about it, it doesn't matter if you fail. Yeah, for the progression, I mean, I've never finished like dead last or anything like that, but progression doesn't seem to be tied to you must win. So there is elements for just if you make a mistake, nurse the car to the end, that's fine. And again, you could set up your levels of how much damage can be done, how realistic is that damage, that kind of thing. But yeah, honestly, it's not a game where it's designed, here's a career progression, you must complete it. It really is designed for just pick it up and have a bit of fun. Uh, the only thing that i find disappointing about it on the whole is that you do need to progress to unlock every new subsequent set of cars from that year so you start off and it goes through the history of cars and then you are you unlock a new set of cars that's a little bit disappointing i would quite like it to all just be completely open from the start or at least give me the option of having that but i get it, it, they've decided you know they want some kind of progression in there uh, and it's no cross save that i can see ah. but again i only wanted cross save for that having everything open again yeah it's a high score game, a leaderboard game, essentially, or just a relaxing game. So it's not unlike other games. So like, I think I've mentioned where I've played a game that released on the PC for like a year ago, then the Switch version come out. And it's like one you've really got to focus, like the Outer, world, outer Worlds. You don't want to start that again when you're like 20 odd hours in. This doesn't really matter as much, but it would be nice. Hades did it. Um, and I know this is a smaller company on the whole, but it would have been nice, but it's it's not ruining it for me because I am just enjoying going through it again. Fair play. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Um, so yeah, I, I know that a lot of people, I, I tried it. I tried it when there was a demo and I just found it too difficult, Mm. but I always find rally games difficult. Um, and I'm going to be talking about one in a minute, but. I oh. think the sort of gen- it's not dirt five, is it? No. <laughs> Again, we're not going back to dirt. <laughs> not at the moment, at least. Thank God. But uh, yeah, no. I generally I've seen a lot of feedback that Art of Rally is hard, but I think it's yeah. you know partly going to be because people are expecting it to play like a, uh, a an easy kind of sim, not not yeah. a real proper difficult sim style experience. But yeah, it seems to play a bit more like. Oh, I can't remember what it's called now. Um, the the one on the Neo Geo. Uh, I can't remember what that game's called, but oh, it's similar yeah. similar to that, yeah. although harder again, I would say, but that was hard enough. <laughs> but Yeah, so it is... See, I find it much closer to a sim than I do an arcade game. 
because um, you really do have to consider your entry points, your exit points. But again, it doesn't hang its hat on that. It's not going, oh, if you don't do it properly, then it's, you know, completely ruined the run or, or anything like that. So, um, but I know it is a fairly Marmite game. Those of us who love it absolutely adore it. And then others who have played it just can't get on with it. It's the same with Lonely, uh, Lonely Mountains Downhill. Some people just couldn't get on with that game at all. And, you know, I... I love it. But one thing that always strikes me is people that talk about Art of Rally's difficulty. I suck at games, but it seems to be... Art of Rally, for me, seems to be my equivalent, again, of how I felt about the opening level with Driver. Uh, people kept complaining about, you know, the Gary Devil Driver, it's impossible, like, so difficult to get into. And I was like, it's easy. I found it really easy. I don't get it, but I can play games that others find easy and just go, I can't do this. Yeah. But yeah, Art of Rally's one, I don't find it difficult at all. It's relaxing. Fair play. Yeah. No, it's weird how these things strike people differently. But, uh, you know, <clears throat> on that subject, I've been playing V Rally 4, which I got on that bundle <laughs> that I mentioned last week. Uh, yeah. Why are you laughing? <laughs> because. Um, <laughs> I I I love V Rally. I, I it was on the PlayStation. That was one of my favourite games. Yeah. And it's yeah, it's weird to see what it's become. Not in a bad way, as such. But it's um, it's if you had a poster for mid tier, it would be there. So you, you've played it, and you that's that's your impression of it, yeah? I've given it a go. Yes, right. we'll say fair play. Right. Well. I've been playing it, and even though I said I wasn't going to mention Dirt, I am going to mention Dirt, because it reminded me a little bit of Dirt, <laughs> the very first one, where it's all about, you know, it's Rally, Rally Cross, and uh, what's it called? Not Uphill, but the the Hill Climb one. Yeah, yeah, Hill Climb, yeah. Yeah, and it, it seems to be like a, almost, it feels almost like a direct copy, which is weird, because like Dirt came out in, oh God, what, twenty. 2008 or something like that it was you know it's a long time before this which somewhere is, yeah so i'd yeah. say anywhere between 2006 to 2009 that period yeah early 360 yeah yeah exactly a long time ago whereas v rally 4 2017 but yeah. it feels like it and i i really really like it now i don't know if it's because that i'm using the steering wheel and that's adding a lot to it i, I it could well be that because i tried <laughs> dirt <laughs> dirt five see i was straight away mentioning it um on the wheel and it, it was that felt really boring you know very average game but v rally 4 feels like a really good game to me uh, using the steering wheel uh it controls really really well the graphics are very very ordinary even for four years ago and there's very little sort of notable trackside detail the lighting's lighting models fairly poor uh but i I just does something it's really clicked with me it handles really well sense of speed is great you can tone down the difficulty which is very important for me because i am terrible at driving games so uh, yeah against all odds i've been really enjoying it yeah it's it's again it is enjoyable when i say it's mid-tier i mean if if you had a game in the racing genre that was like subgenre Euro jank, then V Rally 4 would be that. 
um, <laughs> where you just enjoy it inexplicably. He's like, I don't know why this is good, but it is. <laughs> and it should be published by someone like Focus Home Interactive. <laughs> it's just it just feels like that's what it should be there's every way you look at it you go it's buggy it doesn't look nice in places the driving mechanics aren't realistic it's not quite arcadey enough to escape those um those those issues with the driving mechanics but i'm enjoying it Right, and that honestly, just where it goes for me, it's it should on every conceivable level be an awful, awful game, but it's just not. Right, I think based on that, I think they must have done a lot of bug fixing, and I think it must play very different. I'll have to go have a go with the controller, but mm. honestly, there's no. I've not hit one bug yet at all. I've not had one weird glitch. I've not had strange physics when i've hit a bump or anything honestly it's performed really really smoothly and um with the with the steering wheel it handles beautifully like as you'd expect so i think they must have either fixed it beyond belief and or they've calibrated it for a steering wheel and not a pad maybe possibly i mean i should clarify i played it on switch as well <laughs> um, that, that right. might have some so but basically there was like loading errors so you'd see like it had like a phrase i've not had to think about for years in a racing game is pop up and draw distance <laughs> right and it was at times in very especially in busy areas it was like the game was tried desperately to draw in the track as you was going. It felt like a, at one point, like a Looney Tunes cartoon where I don't know, sort of like Wiley Coyote's running and he's drawing the road ahead of himself to try and keep going. It was almost like that. So whether it is just much improved on that side on the PC, I don't know. Um, so it wasn't bugs as in glitches, like it ruins the racing. But as someone who's, um, again, I don't want to sound condescending, but as someone who's played a lot of rally games and a lot of racing games on both the sim and arcade side, this is right in the middle. And just, as is what I said, it doesn't do enough to be arcade, doesn't do quite enough to, to, to satisfy that sim side for me, but works in its own right. It's its own thing, and it does make it fun. As I said, it's just like inexplicably, you look at it at a point-by-point point level, you go, this isn't good, this is okay, this is bad, this is working, and but it comes together and just makes a really fun game, which is, I think, sometimes more important than the critical aspect of it. It is, it is. Um, I, it sounds from what you've said as if it, it might even have had a completely different production process it might just be a completely different game i'd have to play it see but uh yeah no it's really good and i i'm enjoying it more than dirt rally and dirt rally 2 for the simple fact that it has enough arcadiness to have so you know it has like bumps and jumps as you would expect you know because it'd be crap if it didn't on the track but with dirt rally those games are so realistic that there are you know obstacles in the road and you know the contours of the surface have to be handled really really delicately and in the right way and it just for me that was 
that's a step way too far. You know, I just yeah. could not be bothered with that because you could never put your foot down. Well, I couldn't. No, sometimes you're just a passenger. You hit yeah. a corner and it's got a slight bit of mud out of place. You're gone. Yeah, exactly. Or it's yeah. got a rock, a tiny stone, or not a tiny stone, but a you know, reasonably sized stone. You'll hit it and you're just f- literally flying off in another yeah. direction. And yeah, V-Rally 4 is, is more like if you go off the track... You know, it's going to get sketchy as hell. But if you're on the track, it's just going to be, as you'd expect, a bit slidey and, yeah, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, but, you know, that's enough on that for now. What what else have you been playing? So something about being on track, actually. Um, so we were segueing nicely here. Nice. I've been playing Railroot. I briefly mentioned this last week, if you remember, after you spoke about Mini Metro. Indeed. Uh, what Railroot is, is basically a you're not a rail operator is the probably the only way to put it but it's got some building elements to it so you get given maps of different cities so i I, the one i've been playing mainly as my main base game is the washington dc map and you get given three different stations and you get a, a platform at each station and they're all linked up by tracks already and then basically what you do you need to do is you need to take contracts for trains going to and from those stations or through those stations to earn money and if you complete a contract so you go from uh, the first station to the next station and back again you'll get like one thousand five hundred dollars um, and you'll get a green experience point and then you go oh i'll continue doing that and it runs that that same route on the air like every at the same time every hour so you might start it at 10.03 so the next one will be 11.03 12.03 etc and basically you get rewarded so if you get to the next station on time and you get back and you finish it within the time frame and you you hit target speeds you don't go too fast don't go too slow you get bonuses and things like that but yeah basically you build up your you buy more stations more platforms you can then get more contracts uh, and you have to build tracks between them then and you get various upgrades so you upgrade different more contracts uh, but other upgrades you can get is you can you have to actually manually click where when these trains are accepted on the platform when they go manually turn them around if you have to and really micromanage everything but then you can get different upgrades so you can automatically accept trains onto a station. I'm 27 hours in on this one map. Um, and I think I've got every station unlocked now. I've not bothered unlocking all the platforms and I've automated everything. Um, and that's just one aspect of the game, this whole sort of like city building type management stuff going on. There's almost like then this puzzle style version of it, which I haven't played yet because I've done 27 hours on this one Washington DC map. And um, the other the other version of it is almost like a puzzle game where everything's unlocked, the tracks are all built, and you've basically just got to manage the trains. Um, and there's that, there's custom maps. You can make your own custom maps. There's Steam Workshop support. Honestly, it is absolutely fan-bloody-tastic. And it, the reason I think I've played it so much, it's a dark background and everything else is like white or shades or, or yellow. Um, so I can play it without too much eye strain. But, oh, it's really, really good. Oh, cool. Yeah. Another uh, really killing it with the strategy games at the moment from the indie scene. Like, you know, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, really. Uh, but where's my? I want an air traffic control one. Where's my air traffic control game like that? Please, someone. I think your mini your mini air crash air traffic controller game is not far off. I would have guessed. That, that see that that's that's fine. Where it's a puzzle game disguised as as that, but I want an actual because th- this feels like. Have you ever seen like watch the I don't know like on Channel Five they've like Paddington twenty four seven or like different like oh look at the train stations yeah. type programs. Yeah. Um, and they show sometimes in the control room and they've got this like control desk which has the trains kind of like on a computer screen, very basic looking. It that's the graphic style of it. So it's almost like you're working at a control station. Yeah. Air, that brings you into it. For, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. That's what I want for an air traffic control game. I want the radar things that they use and then I'm managing it all through there. Yeah. Someone make that happen. It's it's crying out. I want a job as a gay in a game. I don't want a real job doing that because it's like there's people's lives at risk but i want it in a game yeah we've all seen breaking bad we know we know what comes of it so uh yeah <laughs> no but that, that sounds really good maybe not something i would i would check out but it sounds like if you've got even a slight inkling towards that space then you should go for it yeah 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 oh definitely yeah it's i say give it a go if you do like train or management games i heartily recommend it and it's still only in early access i'm 27 hours in i've completed one map and it's still only in early access and there's lots of improvements they can still make so i I kind of need to step back from it as i'm going to be burnt out by the time it actually releases yeah yeah Uh, we've all been there yeah yes yeah well i've been playing something that is not in early access it's not a great segue but i've been playing uh a game pass game it's not just a Game Pass game called Omno, which is a mm. yeah, it's a puzzle platformer style thing, more of a puzzle mm. exploration thing. So if you imagine Legend of Zelda, like we were talking about uh, when I was talking about the Sable demo, um, it's in a very similar vein. So you're uh, it's third person and you're exploring a world and you've got to solve environmental puzzles mainly with some very light platforming elements and uh, take you know a little bit of kind of take this to take this thing to section B and press button C and that kind of a thing. Mm. And it's it's very relaxing. It's it's almost like a walking simulator style thing, but with just a little bit more interaction on top and. It, there's some sort of block puzzle style stuff and, uh, you know, a little bit of traversal puzzle. But the main thing you're going in for is is the atmosphere because it's very yes. gentle indeed. It's very calming. It's all done in this kind of paper craft style, big chunky graphics with sort of pastel hues. And it's, uh, you know, really intended to just get you into a a comfortable zone and like even your your character and all of the the characters that you meet in the world they're all like very very cute like your main your avatar looks like tombury from final fantasies like really sweet looking and all of the uh all of the things that you interact with are as well and there's no combat you know it's a non-violent experience it's all about moving and puzzling and creating and stuff like that so I've really enjoyed it. I've mastered the first three levels, so get 100% mm-hmm. on each one. It's not particularly difficult, but uh, that's good for me because I can't do stuff like The Witness because I'm too thick. So this level of uh, complexity is perfect for me. So, yeah, I, I, very gentle, but I've been enjoying it very much. You've got one more big world to go. Ah. I've, play, I've played this and I've reviewed it. I've done a bit of review for it on the site. 
Um, oh, that's right, yeah. Where the background, I was like, yes, uh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, beautiful game. Shades of Journey. And I mean, it's basically got shades of that game company yeah. to it. Um, in all the right ways. Um, it just, everything feels so, it flows in a, in a way that I can't, you can't describe to someone unless they've played it. So when I say it's just there's a there's a magical flow to it, you will understand what I mean because you've played it. But someone who hasn't won't quite get how I can't describe it and do it justice. Yeah, definitely. It's really yeah, tough. And it's yeah, really relaxing. Yeah, beautiful game. Yeah, it's tough to describe when they're that level of experiential. It's another reason why explaining VR games is so difficult because it's so experiential. Yeah, but it is it is definitely that thing of it doesn't have. It, ha- you know, it doesn't have different areas that mix things up massively, so that you feel like, you know, in the traditional sense, like a Mario game, that you're getting value for money because you're getting better and better, and then getting slightly different experiences. It's more like it's just exploring parts of the world. So I thought of Journey as well, but I yeah, also like Eco and Shadow of the Colossus. Mm. It's that, you know, everything's going to look similar. It's just you're in a different area and therefore the things in that area can be different. And it w- weaves its way through them, like you said, with that flow. Um, ironically enough, because that's a, that game company game. <laughs> yes. And it does remind <laughs> you places of that and of Flower, you know, and yes. Journey and stuff. So yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's I would say... It, you know, you've got no excuse, really. If you've got Game Pass, definitely, definitely give it a go because I don't think there are very many people who play games who wouldn't find some joy in it, even if they don't play it all the way through. 100%, 100%. Yeah, I, I've got nothing else to add. Um, my experiences of it, you can read on the site, and, yeah, it's it's superb. And, again, it's not probably never Game of the Year material. Um, I don't think everyone's going to claim that, but... It's definitely a game that you can pick up and just relax with. Yeah, and that's always a good thing. But unfortunately, you can't always relax with video games. Um, and I've played one that is so not relaxing that it had a content warning update patch added to it. Wow. Um, I've been playing Boyfriend Dungeon. Ah. And so, right, where to go with this? Um, so basically what you've got is a dungeon crawler Hades like I think we can we can probably get away with calling it Hades like with social stimulation and dating sim elements to it where uh, like both the dating aspect and the the dungeon crawling have equal footing and the idea is you date your swords your weapons but what it is, they're not actually dating your weapons. They are hu- human, quote unquote, and they can transform into your weapons that you take through your dungeon crawling experience. So first of all, just the positives with this game without trying to go into spoiler territory or anything. The dungeon crawling action is an isometric thingy, really enjoyable. Not up there with Hades, but definitely really enjoyable. If this was just that, if the game was just that, yeah, does it could rely totally on the dungeon crawling mechanics the battle system works really well you feel in control it moves really well you go room to room you clear enemies it's challenging in all the right ways nails it nails it there absolutely but does nothing new in terms of what the combat is um where it interesting day everyone 
Unfortunately, there was a glitch here. He lost some audio. Brad is saying that you are able to date pretty much everybody in the game. And he goes on to say that that's a bit of a drawback, which you'll hear in a minute. I, I didn't really like based on the actual dating sim. I, I'd rather that you, maybe you less so, but in the end got to the end of the game. And I think I dated to like almost like max level, like four or five of the different characters of seven or eight, I think there are. Right. And that kind of took away that what was the the good thing about the um, the dating side of stuff. But what the game tries to do then, like the dating sim, social aspect side of it, is trying to be a bit of a social commentary in way. So all the different boys you can you can date are uh, they're all very good looking, by the way, all really cute. But all the different ones you can you can date have different personalities. They're not all lovely. Some are dicks, um, for want of a better word, and the main antagonist has there's there's elements of stalker levels in there and there is definitely some toxic relationship elements within the game and i think on the whole it handles these really well but you don't go into the game i first played this without the content warning so but you don't go into the game expecting it because of the way it's presented and the way it's kind of been advertised in a way ahead of time is that yay you know it's a girl like you're a woman protagonist you've got these guys you can date them they turn into your sword there's almost like a fun aspect to it but there's a lot of toxicity in it that makes sense why it's there and the comments that are trying to be passed on it but it just does not work yeah that sounds really strange so Obviously, like the the dating sim style games have never interested me. I've never played a single one of them, and they've always been very creepily focused on young girls. Possible influence from a very certain country, but you know, not restricted to that by any stretch of imagination. And it sounds as though that they're trying to do something a bit more sophisticated and a little bit more worldy mm. and a little less exploitative in this. But sounds as though they've kind of course corrected a little bit wrong in some ways and and not quite nailed the tone yeah i I think a lot of it honestly it has to do with how the game was originally promoted um i'm fairly sure the first time i saw this game was a wholesome direct it's not a wholesome game in all the right ways right um it is a commentary and it does the, the the points it's trying to get across in the dating sim side of it are very important discussions to have. If it had been promoted in a way that said, look, there's going to be some dark stuff in here, we are going to talk about toxicity in there, then it's tough. I don't know if they would have got the attention they deserved because it does, I think, again, all the elements are right. But it does need that content warning. It really does need that content warning. Because if you go into expecting what I expected, I had to stop. Because I was like, Jesus, what? But if I'd have gone into it knowing there was going to be this initially, then I would have been prepared for it. And it's just really weird to say this is a game I really, really enjoyed because the combat side of it is really enjoyable. It's fantastic mechanics. But boy, is that tinged with some moments where you question yourself as well. 
and go, have I acted like that towards women in the past? Or have I done elements of that without knowing? And trying to deal with almost like an existential crisis whilst to try to enjoy this dungeon crawling game. It's it's interesting. And as I say, I don't think it hits every every note perfectly on that side of it. Because I don't think you can. I don't think you can wrap it up in a neat package. And what it tries to do, I think it does try and wrap up its points in some way in a neat package towards the end. And I would rather it didn't do that, that it maybe left a lot more ambiguity or left you asking those questions. But then should it have focused the entire premise on that side of it? rather than here's the dungeon crawling, you get swords that are made out of boyfriends, which is what how it initially came across. So I don't know. It, I, I can't recommend it and say to someone, go out and give it a go. You'll, it's a great fun game because one, it is, but two, I think you should play it to see the message it's getting across, but be prepared for it. You've got to be prepared for what is to come. Yeah, I think finishing off those things well and in a neat little package and, and bow requires really good writing. So now I'm going to talk about Jupiter Hell. <laughs> See what I did there? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that, I was never going to touch Boyfriend Dungeon anyway, but... Um, I, I, what I will say, you, when you say about requires excellent writing, sorry, just to interrupt, is... Um, Many movies and TV shows still can't get that right. So I'm not putting games expectation above those. It's not a games thing. I think it's a general storytelling thing. We still cannot get that right in most other mediums, let alone video games. Yeah, no, I mean, that just compounds the fact that I'm not going to play it. So that's fine. But I think they'll they'll be happy enough because it's on on, um, Game Pass. So loads of people will play it. So yeah, their money's secure. Hopefully they'll come back and do one that's uh, a little better. But um talking of stuff that's come straight out of the gate and done well segue is what i just mentioned jupiter hell which is a very very different game so that is a it's kind of a rogue game so not even a rogue like or a rogue light it's an isometric rogue game so it's permadeath you you move and the enemies only move when you do, which you know, I think is like rogue. It's definitely like super hot. And it was, they were originally aiming to have the Doom license and make it a Doom game, like officially. Yes. Uh, but it's not, but it is. <laughs> so it's just Doom, you know, in, in all intents and purposes, you know, it's, it's basically, it's basically Doom in an is- isometric rogue. Doom. Doom, yeah. Do um. Yeah, do um. <laughs> that just sounds wrong. But um, yeah, so you, you kind of go along. It's got a, the presentation style is very, well, it's like you're looking through a CCTV, like the, the stuff that comes on the screen and the, you know, the way that you navigate kind of looks a little bit like the first Doom, but it's even, it's deliberately set even further back than that. It has a kind of orange, you know, amber monochrome font kind of thing so it looks as though you're using a pc from the mid 80s and um your your input on that is very minimal very binary but then when you play you kind of you move square by square but you can do it quite fast if you want and yeah you just go through picking up weapons and you've got to do it in a tactical way 
get through the level, finding as much stuff as you can, but also finding the best route so that you don't get injured. And then you get into a elevator, you know, into a lift and move to the next area. And your levels go up and up. And yeah, you, you kind of add points into the things that you want, that you do best at. So, you know, whether you're talking movement or you, your ability to evade or, you know, basically regular stat bumps. Well, there's something about it, you know, even though it's got elements from all sorts of stuff we've played a billion times, there's something about it that is really good. It's very satisfying. I think mm. partly because it's it is, it's got a funny script. You can adjust the script to be like profanity laden or not, which is great. So you can tweak it to be like more serious Doom style or you can tweak it to be more Duke Nukem stupid over the top, you know, style. You can change the level of gore. You can kind of tweak how much of a, in inverted commas, boomer shooter ripoff it is. And yeah, it's that's very clever. And the music's really good. It's very Doom styled. And so it's heavy and industrial and gets you into it. And the the shooting is, is fantastic and the weapons are really good. So it kind of, you know, that's really important for me. It doesn't just feel like you're knocking numbers off people. It feels like you're actually knocking chunks of flesh off them, and that's what you want. But it has definitely got that one-more-go feel, because you're like, oh, yeah, I did really well. If I'd just made a better tactical choice at this point, I'd be, you know, another couple of levels up. So, yeah, I mean, considering it's a fairly, uh, you know, it's a newcomer in this style, and it, you know, it's supposed to get tied in with Doom and then presumably an injection of cash. It's really excellent. It's really excellent. It's not even my general, you know, kind of preferred style of game, but it's got so much about it that it's really keeping me coming back. So the way I've seen it described, and I I kind of pass this on to you because I really did want to give this a go, but I'm, again, my lack of time because of vision... Um, and just needing to make sure obviously we get get these games covered meant I had to pass it on. But I was kind of like joined in by the fact it's like very much like a game of chess, but with more violence thrown into it, um, which really intrigued me. So, I, I, you know, how 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 easy is it for someone to get into? Or is it quite hard to sort of like get to grips with? Uh, it seems to be very easy to get into, I would say, because... It has that board game thing of, you know, you're moving around, you're moving your piece around the board so you can you can judge where you're going to be in relation to other stuff very easily because you can, you can see when they appear and you can adjust the camera so that things aren't just rocking up off screen and, and being off-putting. Um, and, you know, being unfair to you as well and getting a strategic advantage. So it's one of those that the, the, the strategy increases the further you go in because you know the number of enemies and how tough they are and their intelligence all of those factors improve but uh, the, it doesn't take away from the simplicity of you know here is one your one character and these set kind of the furniture in the level and the way that your guns act remains a, a reasonable constant so you can plan around them mm. Uh, so it's nowhere near kind of chess because you're dealing with 
loads of pieces and they all operate differently it's it is more like a regular board game um, what they you know call a meritrash which is like you know uh just you know stuff where you have a, a strong theme but it's not very abstract uh so it's like that really and uh yeah no it, it's pretty accessible yeah no good i'm glad, i'm really really glad to hear that so I, I can't wait till i can give it a go myself I don't know why, when I very first saw it, I, I, I actually thought it was just a Doom clone um, until I actually read a bit more about it. But yeah, no, I, I look forward to giving that one a go and it's good to know, it's good to hear that it is doing well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm really glad that it is because if, I, if we, I can come to it into a genre that I, it's not a genre that I dislike, but it's one that I'm not a huge fan of generally. If I can come into it and appreciate it and really get to, you know gripped by it then i think that speaks a lot for its accessibility to you know to a bigger audience yeah no really really good so yeah again more games deserve bigger audiences and uh you know sometimes i think a game like jupiter hell can be lost in in just like the huge amounts of games that are released i think it's difficult for a lot of indies anyway when they're battling um new cycles regarding major corporations doing things that are horrible and we'll talk i want to mention that briefly in a minute we'll try not to be too long today um because shoes not well but also they've then having to battle the triple a games and then the the full-on indie darlings that those that maybe deserve a a slightly larger audience don't always get them so you know hopefully someone will listen to this give jupiter hell a go and maybe they they might word of mouth it to a couple more people and hopefully it does start to get slightly larger audiences yeah definitely and having that doom aesthetic basically being doom in a different format it couldn't be better timed really with you know doom and doom eternal resurgent and this new version of quake that's supposed to be coming out totally hit the zeitgeist at the right time so yeah that's definitely if it's on steam possibly modded to get actual doom skins in it most likely um so yeah no okay I, i'm going to look forward to that's one to look forward to when i can see properly again yeah definitely so touching upon it it's something we can't can't avoid um and it's a, i think it's gonna be an ongoing story for some time um but activision blizzard obviously made some moves to try and rectify the issues they've been having whereby Jay Allen Brack has fallen upon his sword um, shall we say was pushed upon it um, and a couple of other high level executives have gone but again major 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 changes are still needed Bobby Kotick is still sitting atop the tree and if he has overseen any of this he shouldn't be doing this anymore because he's either complicit or he's incompetent, one of the two, as are most of the executives within the company. They're either complicit or they are incompetent and shouldn't be running a major company like this. And I do believe the shareholders have started putting pressure on them now. Now, the thing is, it's not. I don't really want to give say too much about them. What has been disappointing to me and has left me a bit miserable when it comes to sort of like how we react to things all activision seems to have needed to do in the last weeks is just mention teases about the new call of duty coming and 
huge swathes of of the games industry well the, like the, the the top press um and many of like the the casual gamers have just gone oh, okay call of duty's coming out that'll do back on back on the train and that's really depressing that all it takes is someone like activision just to wave something shiny in front of our faces and most people will forget about it and if you do continue talking about it or trying to bring attention to it you're getting called out for it like give it a rest we just want to play our video games and it's really sad to see um, am i making too much of that or is, or is that something you feel that it's sad to see like people just kind of glossing over it now well i think there's an, an issue that is it's kind of it's a funny space for it to be in and what i mean by that is the way that people understand how games are made is very different from how films are made you know mm. it's kind of like yeah we realize there's a lot of moving parts with a film but if the lgbtq representation is poor that's disney's fault if there's too much violence in you know the new john wick that's sony's fault or whoever i don't know if it's sony but you know what i mean whereas with games the 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 title of the game is everything and the behind that, if anyone delves deeper, then if they're talking about the quality of the game, then that hits the developer. If you're talking about the politics behind the game and the money, then you're talking about the publisher. And it's really hard to juggle all of those things. It's more akin to something like talking about uh, like the supermarket and the supply chain, or talking about politics and the ministers for to me it feels like it, it has that massive disconnect with people all that they really it's not that they only care about call of duty or they only care about assassin's creed or this that and the other but if they hear assassin's creed you should start thinking about not buying because x has done y if then some other random game comes out uh down the line let's just say yoshi's you know yoshi's a yoshi game yeah people would go all oh, right it's a yoshi game uh that's got nothing to do with the other thing and then if some somebody has to somebody like you and i has to trot along and go aha but you know nintendo have licensed yoshi to activision or to ea for this game and ea are like this and activision are like that so I think it's very difficult for people to track. I don't think it's that people don't care. I think it's just quite difficult to for them to understand the, the publisher-developer slash, you know, release relationship, especially without physical formats these days. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I think what brought it up for me was um, I was uh, listening to the, I think, the most recent Giant Bomb bog, uh, podcast, um, and they mentioned about, like, the tease of... Um, of the new Call of Duty on there. And initially, the commentary on it was all sort of like, how do you feel about it returning to World War II and blah, 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 and talking about that aspect of it. And they had Tamar Hussein on there as well. And he turned around and went, yeah, 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 but I don't know how I feel about even talking about how, how I'm going to cover this, let alone whether I want to play it or not. And you almost felt like there was an awkwardness in the conversation after that in terms of, how much do we want to talk about this and possibly sour our relationship with Activision? 
obviously not categorically saying that, but you could hear it. And again, I think with Giant Bomb, they are, for example, so big that a lot of their audience, even though they understand it, are still of that ilk of women are ruining our video games. There's a lot of that audience there. Not all of them, obviously, and a lot of them understand that, but women are ruining our video games and the the, 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 the gays are ruining our video game and, and that kind of thing. Um, and it's just, you know, for me, Giant Bomb are still one of the, if not the biggest media outlets in video games. And it's disappointing to see or hear them trying to skip over that now and being almost unsure what to do when someone does question that. And again, I'll come back to James Stephanie Sterling. They will continue to beat that drum that you can't just ignore Activision, what they've done and separate the games. And they continue to get abuse and flack for it, which is, which is again, it's really, really horrible to see. And what it kind of does for me, I mean, it's very easy for me to boycott Activision or to boycott Ubisoft because, in all fairness, I've stopped enjoying their games anyway. Um, I don't play those sort of games anymore. So, I, you know, I, I hate, not hate myself, but, I, you know, I look at myself sometimes and go, who am I to judge others who do still play those games and want to ignore it? It's such a horrible situation at the moment and it worries me how messy it's going to get. Yeah. Yeah. No, I understand. Yeah. Um, It is very complicated. And I think with, you know, you have to, the only way again to get sort of through it is uh, yeah. How they could fix it fully would be through legislation in that, you're not allowed to, to do these sorts of things, you know, at a governmental level. But they don't care because the money's being produced. And, you know, in terms of the boycotting and stuff, I mean, there's there's two there's two levels. There's the stuff that I was talking about, the consumer level, and then there's the kind of what you'd class in the business world in the supply chain as the customer level. So you're talking your media outlets, you're talking like your industry figures, that sort of thing. And there's a, there's a bit of combat there, like you said, where... People are aware of it. Some people are willing to take a personal stand and some people aren't because that it will impact them, either their bottom line or their media reach or whatever. And, um, you know, the, the best thing about legislation is it steps in and it takes care of all of that. It just goes, well, you're not allowed to have this, this and this. You're not allowed to have these working practices. You're not allowed to work these many hours. You know, you've got to have an industry body checking this work before it goes out and this behaviour and, and these employment records. So without it, really, you're kind of screwed. Yeah. Because if you think about boycotting, the the only example I can think of, really, that kind of comes close is really odd one. It's about it's apartheid in the 80s with South mm. Africa, where, you know, so for any younger listeners, apartheid was in, in South Africa was where there was this, this legal division between, and legal and geographical division between, black people and white people and, and basically white people had taken over most of South Africa, the country, uh, in, in very, very simplistic terms. And we were encouraged, people were encouraged to boycott South African products. And it, you know, it got into the popular culture and people who were left leaning and particularly comedians talked about it and joked about it so that, you know, people you know, raise awareness. But with it being on a kind of, if you walk into a supermarket 
and you pick up an orange and go, yeah, that's a nice orange, you're going to buy it. You're not going to know without exploration and, in, and investigation whether it's a, an outspan orange, which was a, like, if you watch the Young Guns, they made a joke about outspan oranges and, uh, uh, you know, boycott in South Africa. You're not going to know who the producer was. And even if you do, you're not necessarily going to connect it to South Africa. There's a lot of steps there for the customer to be to be making on an intellectual and knowledge level that they shouldn't have to be making because it's your government who should be making and your legislators who should be making those decisions for you. Mm. And I'm probably going off on way too much of a tangent for what you wanted to talk about. But no, not at all. You know, it's just trying to emphasize that, yeah, no, obviously I think it's all despicable, but I'm in it. I'm yeah. in it. I'm kind of on the inside and I understand. And I recognize that for people who've like, oh, you know, I overpaid for a PS5, but I managed to get one right playing Call of Duty now. You know, I can imagine for, from their perspective, this is very difficult, difficult to understand and to police. Oh, yeah, 100%. As I said, I mentioned before that um, I think I spoke about potential guilt. I don't know if it was on the podcast or on Discord. I may be chatting about it, but I was bought um, the Scott Pilgrim game, which I decided personally I wasn't going to buy, yeah. uh, but it was bought for me for Father's Day. I can't expect my son to understand the ins and outs of that yet. I know he's 14. Um, and he gets why I won't touch Ubisoft, but you know, Scott Pilgrim game isn't exactly your usual Ubisoft game. It's not a Assassin's Creed, Far Cry, Rainbow Six. You know, it was uh, a small independent game initially. And he goes, "Oh, Dad likes those." He doesn't know that's Ubisoft when he bought it for me. So you you get that element of it, and again, you, there's the element of I've got all these games already. What do I do? You know, do I stop playing them? Do I, I've already bought them, so should yeah. I enjoy them? And again, with, say, Activision, if one million people boycott Call of Duty, one million sales are gone, it's not going to affect their bottom line enough that Activision are screwed because of it, and it's not going to be the CEOs who face the firings. They'll sack, what, 250 low-level staff to make their numbers still look right? And they will still get their bonuses, like at the top end. Yeah. So again, you've got to look at also what does boycotting do. So it, ha- you know, and I'm not saying also oh, don't don't boycott, or I'm not saying do boycott, but it's just so a mess. It's just a mess. And again, I get told like when I mention or talk about it, sort of like sort of like away from the podcast and that people go, just just why why do you worry so much? And I went, I just do. Because these are things I love and the idea that someone's making them under duress almost really upsets me, really upsets me. And I can't abide by the argument of just get another job. You can't at the moment. You can't just walk out, especially in the games industry. If you walk out of one job claiming this, you're probably never walking into another major company again. Yeah. And also you need to put food on the table. Well, Activision, you have to choose between food on the table or a roof over your head, but that's a completely different discussion. So, yeah, it's just, I mean, okay, I don't think we've got any point to make in terms of like, this is this is what we do. But I think, okay, it's just something I want to get off my chest again because it's it, it had an effect on me the last week listening about it all. And um, again, I think Stephen's talking about it every now and again keeps it hopefully in the public consciousness enough that it can't just be swept under the carpet. 
Yes, I think that's the right thing to do because individual action achieves results. It really does. And I think people, I've mentioned this on the podcast before, that people worry sometimes and, you know, despair a little bit that their actions mean nothing in the wider context. But they always do. They always do. Because even if you're making just a, a small local change, you're you're influencing your kids, your your family, your friends, you know, even if they review what you've said and the way that you behave and they decide against that decision, then they've made a choice and you've made them think. Um, or if they choose to ignore it, then, you know, there are lost cause on that and, you know, you can't be expected to do any more. And if you, you know, educate your kids in a certain way and they grow up and decide to do differently, then that's on them. That's, you know, that's their choice. That's fine. But it's all about that individual yeah. choice and the way that you're influencing people by your own behavior. And, you know, a big one is recycling. So it's like, oh yeah, even if every single person on earth went completely green, 70% of all climate damage would be caused by companies. It's like, well, yeah, yeah. but that's not the point. That's like the Elvis uh, statistic of, you know, based on the rate at which their Elvis impersonators are coming out of the woodwork, everyone will be an Elvis impersonator by 2070. It's applying like a static uh -huh. model. Hey, nice. It's, app <laughs> <laughs> it's applying a static model to where a static model doesn't exist. So yeah. the, the, the when 30% of your population want recycling and demand recycling and green energy, then you can't have 70% going... Now you're not having that, you know, the, the corporations have to change. So you are part of that 30% and you've helped build the change that, that would come through. So it is important that yeah. we do it. And I would say just, just, yeah, just, there's no answer, like you said, but just follow your, your personal uh, feeling on it. I would say, you know, I would say you shouldn't, you can't be expected to worry too much about the individuals and their money because your things will never change if you if you if you do that you know you unfortunately my perspective which is a socialist one it's not a liberal one a liberal one would be like everyone should try and keep you should try and make sure everybody keeps their jobs no i don't feel like that i feel like you've got to hurt the companies as much as possible and they will start by throwing in a front line of you know just cannon fodder which is like you said is the lower ranks and they're going to get hit first. And it's like, yeah, but in a war, that's what happens. And it's, it's awful and it shouldn't happen. But if we're going to damage these companies, boycotting their products is the only way that eventually you're going to make them change. And that's probably going to be a bit controversial. But there you are. No, I get where you're coming from. And, you know, the point you make as well about an individual can, you know, does have an effect. You've just got to look at, um, you know, that young girl who, who fought climate change, Sharon. Uh, Greta Thunberg. Some people might get that joke. Mastermind. Just look it up. But okay. yeah, you know, on her own, she she forced change. She forced people to listen. So um, it can be done. And I think some people are so head in the sand or listen to what they hear at a top level that you know you've just got to keep banging that drum to to get through. Because um, some of the comments I've heard this last week over afghanistan is just really disappointing you're hearing people like ring up phone-in shows and they're saying that oh why can't the people okay why have we got to take in twenty thousand? why can't they just go to neighboring countries and then when you say to them well they are 
of the 40 million people that are trying to evacuate Afghanistan, most are going to neighbouring countries. We're only taking 20,000, and much of those are to do with people who who have helped in some way or they've got family over here. Um, and it's 20,000 people and trying to sort of like get those through to people. And they're still going, but it's still too many. You know, what about looking after our own? Because um, one of the arguments I heard is we've got so many sort of people on the streets homeless. Why can't we give them homes? And I'm like, yeah, give them homes. Give everyone a home. Simple as that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Just give everyone a home. Um, you know, it, not everyone needs to live in a four bedroom detached house with like 15 acres of land behind them. Give everyone a home. Um, I, I've spoken about this before convert office buildings, convert shops, whatever. Give everybody a home. No one should be homeless. Yeah. I agree with that sentiment, but not at the expense of we shouldn't let people come into this, refugees or foreigners come into this country. Because um, also, stop the terminology, stop branding people, refugees, people from this country, foreigners, whatever. Stop referring. People are humans, human beings. They are people. Can we just please refer to people as people? Yeah. yeah. Um, or, oh, they don't have the same culture. No, they're, they're people. People are people. It's just, that's what it is. Can we, uh, once we start accepting that people are people, maybe that will allow us to be better as well. Yeah. I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I'm a dreamer. <laughs> well, Yes. Uh, but it's I'm an, not the only one. You're not the only one. <laughs> but it's it's a it's a pleasant dream, and uh, I think you you what you have to do is you just keep working towards it, and then at least you know your conscience is clear that you've you've done the best that you possibly can. And if you don't get that outcome, then it's not on you. You can at least Mm-mm. you know hold your face up to God and say I did my best, <laughs> you know. And that's all. Well, you I can could do. if I believe he existed. Yeah, I know. I was, but... I was just messing. <laughs> ah what you are there (laughs) there's one thing i want to finish on that's uh yeah a completely different subject um but it won't it doesn't fit in anywhere properly so i just want to bring it up anyway and (laughs) back to games and the size of games and it's because Mm. it's becoming a really big thing now so there's uh, like very very quickly downloaded forza 7 because i wanted to play it again did you start downloading it last year? Exactly. Yeah, this is definitely part of the conversation. Um, and, you know, it's a, basically 120 gigabytes, which is ridiculous. It's just, I mean, it's so stupid because the amount of bandwidth that takes up, the amount of time it takes to download, but more importantly, the amount of storage it takes up is getting ludicrous because you, you can, for that amount of, you know, that size of game, you know, that would cost you the game again in storage if you were, if you needed to buy it. And I literally just can't afford the time or the money to keep adding storage so that I can have more than one game on my... You know, I can have like a couple of games of this size on my PC at once. You know, I can't... There's no point in investing more in like old hard drives that are massive because they're too slow. They're, they're obsolete technology. And, you know, if you buy an SSD, they're very, you know, they're not hugely expensive, but you can't just buy a new SSD for every bloody game. So it's going to start pricing people out. And I think it is genuinely becoming ridiculous because it's not like, well, if you want that experience, that's how big the game is. 
They're not. It's they have not optimized these games. There's that been a thing, a trend over the years of we've basically got infinite amounts of storage now. Because at one point there was a, a peak moment where there was enough bandwidth and storage was cheap enough and fast enough so that you could have like a two terabyte drive and games were like 20 gig. And therefore it was it was a non-argument. But now the storage that you, and the speed of the storage that you need is, is back to being expensive. And games are really surpassing the size that they should be because they're not being constrained by having to be stuck onto a Blu-ray or a DVD. So it really, really needs seeing to. It really genuinely does, in my opinion. It's, it genuinely got me really angry. Yeah, no, you, you do make a, a very, very good point. Um, just to point out, though, that one of the best games over the past 12 months, Mixalumia, is 52 megabytes. Yeah. Just want to point <laughs> that out. Enough. Bloody hell. Just want to point that Great out. Great argument. It's, be- it's, better than fo- it's better than Forza. Yeah. Because uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's not, not, not obviously sort of like overall when it is an, an outlier. I was just trying to see if I could find the uh, size for um for Railroad, which has given me to it, but I can't actually find it. Oh, here we go. 326 megabytes. Yeah. So that's um, your basic. Uh, oh, bassists aren't boring because because look at Paul McCartney. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah there's one. <laughs> but no, I, I, yeah. I take your point, you know, it's not all games and it is really only no, know, actually a handful of games, but they they are tending to be the, the most popular games as well. So Yeah, well, I, I mean, I... I mean, I've got installed on my system at the moment, um, and I've not played them for ages. Or even don't think I've even played them since I've downloaded them on PC. But I've got Dirt Two and Metro Exodus both downloaded because you know Dirt Two comes in at let me just look close up, one hundred and eight gigabytes. Jeez. On PC, uh, Metro is about I think it says like seventy gigabytes and stuff. So I've got those downloaded just because just in case I fancy playing them and I don't want to wait a few hours to have to play them. Yeah. Because then that you can't play them on a whim. Um, and I probably I never will until I get to the point where I have to go, oh, now I've got to delete stuff. And it's, it's really weird to know what makes it up because, like, Disco Elysium is what, like, of my top five games in uh, one, two, three, sorry, top six games in terms of size. I've got Dirt 2, Metro Exodus, Project Cars 2, Shinobalite, Disco Elysium, and The Ascent. Disco Elysium doesn't look like it should be that big a game, but obviously every line of dialogue is spoken, so that takes up room. But what I think we'll see soon is I think we'll see the way content is delivered change. I think we'll see a hybrid between you'll be able to download a game in full, you'll be able to cloud stream a game or you'll be able to do a hybrid. So maybe something like Disco Elysium, you download all the visuals and the game mechanics, but all the sound is streamed um, via the cloud or something like that. I think that's what we'll start seeing because they've got to do something because it stands at the moment. If you've got an Xbox or a PlayStation and you want to play a couple of AAA games, that's all you can have installed. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. There's, there's, I think you're entirely right. It'll have to be... Oh, this game is installable, but we recommend that you stream it, and we have put the servers in place for you to be able to do that. Because otherwise, yeah. it's just gonna the size, because it is the requirements as well. Because it's not just yeah. oh, we need this to um, we need this to load faster because people can't be bothered waiting. No, it's not that. It's because games are now being developed that stream in from the storage. 
you know, every game is going to become a, a locally streaming game as well <laughs> in its own way because they, they're going to start yeah. utilizing the speed of, of, you know, NVMe M2 SSDs. So it's going to be, you know, six gigabits because per second speeds. So, yeah, you can't go back. You can't go backward with it because it won't actually work. So unless they start going, right, well, you can buy this in a shop and it will be pre-installed on, you know, an M2 drive that you can slot in and slot out like you can do with the Series X, then you'd be buggered. So, yeah, they're going to have to do something about it. Yeah. So there is, I saw a while back, and I can't, it was a couple of years ago, and I can't remember, unfortunately, who, who it was company-wise or anything like that. That's ADHD for you. But they did work on a technology whereby you download portion of the games and not like the game sort of like oh the first half of the game or anything like that it was like you download the game mechanics and basically all the control of the games it's almost like you download this wireframe of the game um and then you stream in the visuals um and the sound and whatever now what would happen based on your um based on your, your 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 internet speeds or whatever is it would be a variable uh visual thing so you you would play and it would stream in and most times it would hold like 60 frames per second and be sort of like 1080p graphics um but occasionally if it needed to it would dynamically drop to 720 or or whatever um and the idea was you prioritize frames or or visuals um but the core of the game was on your system but what it also meant was you could run the idea would be you could run a a a game that needed generally a better system on a lower end system so i think um i don't know i don't know what needs a massive like so i think the ascent needs a pretty decent system to it to play locally that would be able to run on something half the spec um, but still get the full experience because it's streaming in the graphics. And with such incredible low latency, the way it was doing that, that you don't notice that it was streaming in the graphics, but keeping the actual core mechanics of the game local. Yeah. So really sort of like interesting. It's like it wasn't perfected, but it was something they was working on. That's why I think that's what we're going to see down the line. We're going to see games, and this is why I think it might work on Switch and stuff like that, or and why I think the um, the Steam Deck, I don't think you'll be needing to upgrade every single year because I think that technology will come in and allow you to do something to that degree. It sounds good. I'd like to know how they're going to get over the cost because it would be fine to do that, almost fine, to do that as part of a streaming service, mm-hmm. but you couldn't just do it for a game that a customer bought because then you you would be taking on the cost of supplying you know whatever ten gig of course every single time that you're streaming that game to them so of course which is why I think it's something that needs to be I think that's why I say games need options whenever you so if you buy Dirt Two or Dirt Three let's say Dirt Three when it comes out Dirt Ready Three point uh, when that comes out you can, you buy it on Steam or Xbox or whatever and basically your choices are download this game in full, download the game mechanics and stream the graphics or just stream the whole thing. So if you want to play Dirt 3.0 and you go, I'll tell you what, let's download the entire thing, Uh, but you need to free up space later, you can still then play it with just the core mechanics downloaded or just stream the higher thing. So as long as when you buy a game, you've got the choices of all three options, I think it can be a viable thing. Because honestly, I think most people who've got the space have got, I'd rather have it downloaded yeah, but if you want to dip into it, 
you can stream. I, I that's why I love Game Pass. It's interesting. I'd be they would I think would have to completely re- rework how they store their assets because yeah, you know some yeah some are reused in different levels and some aren't and blah blah blah. But if you're going to do the Occam's Razor thing of like what's the what's the simplest solution, what's the the most obvious answer? It's make file sizes smaller. It's like rather than invent all sorts of technology to enable you to do what you're doing already because it's the easy way. No, don't do that. <laughs> because I mean, where do you end? You know, you're going to hit a theoretical limit of sizes eventually. Yeah. Don't start kicking it down. You know, kicking it down the road. That's humanity's biggest mistake. Look at the climate crisis. So yes. you know, pull your fingers out. Work out a way of making sure your assets aren't gigantic and uh, stop being lazy. That's my philosophical view on it. And I would like just to, just to finish on a more positive note about games and stuff. How amazing is it that we can have such amazing games that range from about 50 megabytes up to over 100 gigabytes? I know. Just how amazing is that, that in terms of quality they're on a par I know, um, I know. but so wildly different as well i know and you can fit such a massive amount of quantity as well as quantity into you know like 50 meg and yeah, yeah what was it the the very famous one was ikaruga or ikaruga however you pronounce it which i think fitted in something like 90 meg uh which is just yeah. a, it's it's you know it's fully polygons it's got amazing lighting incredible sound and it you know fits in you could theoretically stick that on a on a big mega drive cartridge so or at least yes. a nintendo 64 one so yeah it's doable just do it lads it isn't my smallest game um 5d chess with multiverse travel is five megabytes nice <laughs> nice that's chess multiverse chess that's impressive yeah there was um yes. i follow oh going really long now but it, this is good debate um <laughs> i follow uh what a YouTuber who covers old retro stuff, but particularly 16-bit computers. And he did a competition between one of the, a modern chess game and the Amiga chess game. And it mm. they're like adjusted for time, because obviously the Amiga's spent ages thinking about it. Um adjusted for time. The Amiga did really well. It actually like took a couple of games off the uh Apple Mac that he was competing against. So this is a bit of software from 40 years ago that's probably about, I don't know, 700k tops, absolute yeah. max, and uh, definitely less than one meg, uh, running chess, which is a, the- a theoretical game. And uh, it still managed to get some wins off, off the computer. So that just really shows about how much you can compress things down when you really want to. Yeah, oh, definitely 100%. And it's definitely, I'd, I'd love to have like maybe a long, long form chat about sort of like what, what games do. Because I, again, I think there's some laziness as to why some games are so big. Uh, well, I don't, laziness, sorry, sorry, devs. I don't mean it like that. But in terms of, do we really need to shrink down these file sizes like we had to when it had to fit on a CD? We don't. Yeah, yeah. Complacency, so, I think, in, in some cases. Yeah. yeah. Not all um, cases, so, by any means. No, 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 not at all. And I say, when I say lazy, I don't mean in terms of can't be asked. I just think the need went to need to do it, um, and that stopped stopped them trying. So hopefully, the need's going to be back there. That'll be technology improvements, and we'll we'll start finding out soon um, what what might be the fruits of that. But yeah, video games are interesting. 
They go from toxic work environments to size debates to we just love video games. Yeah, that's true. Do you know what else I love? What do you love? Me shutting up and letting you talk and outro us. You don't love it enough, though, do you? Hey, <laughs> no, I'm only joking. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that's it for this week. Ranged over quite a few things and got quite aerated, which is good. Vent every now and again. I hope you guys at home are safe, sound, not too aerated <laughs> and getting on okay with things. Follow all our content on the socials. Support us on Patreon and Coffee if you feel you want to and if you can afford to. And in the meantime, stay safe and stay safe.